Welcome to Dennis and Friends, a place where my friends and I talk about whatever we want to talk about, whatever interests us, or what's going on in life and around the world. And we are really hitting on the what's going on around the world, the sports world today, because there is a lot that has happened in the last like couple of days, and there's a lot more to come. And so I'm Dennis, I host the show. This is episode 111, uh, and I hope you're ready for a very filled episode and I've got Jet here with me uh, to talk through it all. We've, we've got a lot of news bits to discuss, and we got some previewing of NFL playoff games to do. But before we get to all that, how are you, my friend? How was your Thursday, and uh, how's the post-Christmas uh, vibe? Yeah, dude, it's, it's good over here up in Nashville, you know. Um, vibes are high, and, uh, and the reason being... How about them, Cowboys? Oh, boy. Here um, we go. Here we go. So, uh, the obnoxiousness yeah, yeah. has we're, started already. <laughs> we're, we're feeling good up here, uh, for sure. Um, well, yeah, holidays were great. Maddie and I were uh, blessed enough to be able to go home to Texas and spend some time with both of our families, so that was really great. Um, and uh, travel was good um, and got some time away from work, which was awesome. Uh, and... Yeah, just back at it now, back at the grind, experiencing some some good things in with our with our sports teams, um, and uh, excited for the NFL playoffs to get kicked off, man. And uh, the best part of your time here was spending it with me at Firehouse Subs. Exactly, and not getting a sub sandwich. <laughs> it's fine. It's yep. fine. Can we start with a shout out real quick? Can we shout out our boy Matt Haas? Who- yeah. Listener, if you don't know, uh, we have a both of us have a, a friend here uh, named Matt Haas. Matt, Jet, and I all went to high school together and middle school too. I keep forgetting he was in Smithfield mm-hmm. as well. Choir, um, yeah, choir boys. And uh-huh. Matt and Jet are super tight. And Matt went to school at OU. He spent some time up at Oregon after college, and just recently got a job uh, working as an equipment manager for the world champion. Texas Rangers. Got and, that uh, ring I just, on him. I just want to shout him out because he picked the best time to take that job. He just picked a really good time to go. And mm-hmm. uh it, it paid off per se. Yeah. He's he's a good luck charm there. Shout out Matt for for bringing it home finally, the World Series championship, getting that ring. Um yeah, good stuff over there. Yeah. So I just want to shout him out because I, I felt like he was worthy of a shout out. All right. Where do we start? We're recording on January the 11th, huh, episode one, 111 on January on 11th. On 111. On 111. Uh, <laughs> it Look at it. Out. Why did I not? Yeah, why did I not <laughs> put two and two together? Oh, what a week. Anyways, it has been chaotic, chaotic in the football landscape, both college and professional. Mm-hmm. And we're going to hit on all of it. We got to talk through the wildcard games this weekend. And we're going to try to do this in kind of short order probably not because we don't do short episodes here but also i need to sleep and practice Mm -hmm. base for a high school retreat this weekend so we are going to try to do this with some urgency (laughs) uh really quick before we get to the football though i do want to start with the one bit of nba news that popped out yesterday and that was Kawhi getting his extension Mm -hmm. um Kind of unannounced, kind of out of nowhere. How do you feel about that? Do you feel like that was the right move for him and for the Clips? And do you think it means anything, essentially? All that it means is, I think, so So I actually saw this news and I thought, okay, then that confirms my kind of, it's not a conspiracy theory, but like when on earth in this lifetime have we seen Kawhi Leonard 
be healthy for as long a stretch of games as he has been. I'm pretty sure he's missed like two or three games this year for rest purposes. Now, I bet that there was like rumblings within the organization and maybe like preliminary talks about an extension, but it kind of hinged around, well, we don't know how much he's going to play. We want him to be available because availability is the best ability sometimes. Um, right. Paired with his, you know, uh, offensive prowess and, and uh, defensive game that he brings and his physical aspect, you know. But um, he just hasn't been available the past few years. Uh, he, he and Paul George both. That's why the Clippers have just not panned out how we thought they would when they paired up. So I think that he looked at, you know, this possible extension and said, you know, I just got to play. I just got to be out there, be healthy. Um, and I think that he has earned that extension. I think he's played like, you know, the Kawhi of old, um, for the pre-injury Kawhi. He's, he's looked f- phenomenal. Uh, he's had some games where he has carried a pretty terrible offense at times. The Clippers have been really spotty this season, but he's been the one consistent thing. Um, they're on a hot streak right now, and, and that's scary for every other team. Uh, but I think with him playing that well, he deserved it. Um, I do think it warrants him some more time off if he chooses to take it, you know, um, <laughs> for the rest of the season. If he's like, never mind, uh, I'm out on back to backs forever, <laughs> then like you give it to him. But yeah, no, well deserved, good amount. I think it's a win for both sides right now. We'll see, you know, if, if history repeats itself and he does ha- end up getting injured to some capacity, then. We might look at it differently, but uh, as of right now, I think it's a win-win. Yeah, my my only thing that I'll add to that is if there's one of those three guys that you absolutely, without any hesitation, give a extension to, it's him. Regardless mm-hmm. of the injury history, regardless of this, that, and the other with him, when healthy, he's the best two-way player in the league still. Yep. Still. Which is and crazy. Just a monster defensively and is yeah. just so automatic on offense. So good for both sides, and especially with the Clippers getting their own arena next year. I think that was important to like lock down one of their stars to make sure that nothing would be looming over going into that in the fall. So mm-hmm. um, the less drama that you have to deal with down the road, the better. And, yeah. and this oh, gets yeah, some yeah. out of the way. Absolutely. All right. Enough of that real quick national championship game on Monday night, uh, Michigan handily defeated Washington and a better game than last year, because I mean, last year was just so bad. <laughs> But that set the bar pretty low last year's game. It re- did, yeah, so. it really did. So we had literally nothing to talk about with the title game last year. And we actually had kind of some stuff to talk about this year uh, with Michael Penix and how he was beat up and was rushed and missed throws that he was getting in the semifinal against Texas, and which annoyed both of us, I know. And all season, you know, like throws that he was nailing down and Michigan's defense. Well, both lines of scrimmage for them just being really great. And the forty-yard runs in the first half, and and all that. What what's your biggest takeaway with that game? And I guess just kind of the college season in general before everything really got crazy uh, yesterday. My my biggest takeaway from that game itself is that if Texas had beaten Washington, had found a way, then they would have beat Michigan. Michigan's offense is like besides those two long runs was pretty inept most of the game. The passing game really wasn't there. McCarthy is not a good quarterback. I don't know why he's even in like a Heisman conversation for next year. Like people are like, oh, he's going to be, you know, third or fourth in the Heisman ranking. No, he's not. He's a bad quarterback. No NFL team should draft him. He's undersized, not that athletic. 
uh, minus in terms of average on the arm. But he's um, a game manager. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> that that was really my biggest takeaway is that, man, this is... So, yes, it was a better game than last year's, obviously. But it was just one in a line of pretty mediocre championship games. I think the last really great championship game that we had was when Bama won in overtime on that Devontae Smith touchdown. Since then, yeah. it's been it's been pretty mediocre championship games. Like this, it, even though it was the the score wasn't that far apart, it didn't feel like Washington was in it at all the entire time. Um, it felt like even from kickoff, they were just playing catch up. And and I, I mean, Michigan bullied them um, defensively. Michigan's game plan was was fantastic. Penix is is still a really good quarterback. I don't I don't really knock him that much. I just think that. He he learned, you know, if I'm knocked off my rocker, if if I'm, you know, if I can't set my feet and get the ball out of my hand with the velocity that I want to, then I'm going to have issues. And that's something that he'll learn uh, quickly in the NFL to fix if he wants to be good. And I think he still can be good. I think he has a an A plus arm, really. I mean, yes, that, I agree. He's, he's supremely talented. He's he's above average with athleticism. I think he makes good reads, good decisions. Um, he, he doesn't turn the ball over very much, so I'm still very high on him. I don't, I don't like that people are saying, oh, this bumped him down a couple rounds in the draft. Like, no, I, I still would take him over several guys that are way high up on, on a lot of people's draft boards. So honestly, he's like my third quarterback in this, this next year's draft. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen him at like that high and I've seen him a little bit lower. And I think all of those takes are, are fair. Like he's definitely in the upper echelon. Of mm-hmm. quarterbacks in this in this group for sure. My one bit that I'll just say is that speaking of him not turning the ball over, uh, him turning the ball over uh, was <laughs> yeah. a big point of the game. It was. Uh, it was. You know they they get on this little run in the end of the first half and then they get the ball back and then first play interception killed mm-hmm. all the momentum. Like that was the one thing that decided the game. Like if if they even go on a decent drive and get a field goal, I think that game becomes a lot more competitive and a lot more enjoyable. It's just that. It's just so unfortunate that after that happened, it just kind of started a spiral and they just got exhausted by Michigan's, yep. you know, front line and how dominant they were, like really pressuring him, not necessarily sacking him either. It's just like right. getting to him and, and making him make quicker decisions and getting in his space. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. Making and, him and, feel like he needed to move before he was ready to. Yeah, exactly. So not the not the best of games, not the worst. I thought a, a decent end to an odd, very wild season in college football. It was uh, very unique. That is very unique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Follow up question. Is Jim Harbaugh the coach of the Wolverines uh, next season? Yes or no? I want to say yes, because in this new format for the playoff, I want to see how coaches traverse that i think that will be a really interesting thing to watch next year like how is sarkeesian gonna game plan for you know possibly three four games maybe you know or i guess three games it would be um because that that'll be interesting so I, I mean obviously one of the best coaches that we've seen in this era is harbaugh and um would love to see him in that role as well but um i, I think he goes to the nfl i think that there's enough vacancies and uh enough pull to get him there honestly a a fit that that i think makes sense would be seattle 
or Los Angeles and, and probably leaning more towards Los Angeles just because of what they have there, um, for him to work with. So. Sure. Sure. Which that's a great segue into the next, uh, topic that we need to discuss is the coaching carousel in the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to start with the the lower tier uh, bits, and then we'll we'll ramp up to the big stuff, guys. Uh, I know you guys are, <laughs> are ready to hear about all the the craziness that happened yesterday and today, but we'll get there. We're going to start start on the lower end. Um, let's start with somebody who's staying, and that's Eberflus, who's staying with the Bears. Do you think that's a good decision? Yes or no? I know uh, your answer, but tell yeah, it to the I, listener. I think, I think if you are, I mean, didn't they already? make a lot of changes with the rest of their staff. Yeah. Like everybody else is gone. They basically so cleaned house. Right. So why not just finish that job and get him out of there too? If Especially if, I, I think the, you know, census from, from the, from most of the population is, or at least most of the football fan population is that the Bears are going to tra- draft a quarterback, which means Justin Fields probably gone too. Um, if that's the case, why would you keep around, I mean, the coach that was probably most of the problem because when fields was playing this year, at least they were, they were winning football games for the most part. Um, when he was injured, they, they obviously were terrible, but yeah, no, I, I think it's a, it's a bad decision. It, it's just a, another mistake in the long line of mistakes that this bears organization has made. That's kept them so bad for the better part of our lifetime. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's odd. Like, like we just talked about, like, cleaning house not getting rid of the main guy and all this smoke in the air about what are they going to do you know with that pick mm-hmm. are they going to try to get caleb are they going to try to trade fields are they going to keep fields and then trade the pick like who knows man what is up with chicago sports man the bears are odd the bulls are odd the white Sox stink the cubs mm-hmm. are you know like they should be probably the best thing there and yet they've spent more money on a manager than actual free agents this year because they've spent no money on free agents so far. What an odd time to be in Chicago, you know? Yeah. It's, um, they had, they had their brief moment of glory with the Cubs world series win. And now we're, we're back to abysmal Chicago sports, which is just tough. It's a, it's a city that deserves better when it comes to sports. Like, like that's a historic town and, and they're just getting the, the brunt end of the stick for, you know, better part of two decades now. So it's tough. Tough. Yeah. Big time. Okay. Let's talk about people who actually lost their jobs. Arthur Smith, no longer the coach of the Falcons. You and I are both in agreement that that is a fantastic move because we, you and me and Dawson and Clayton, like in our little group chat, have talked about all season that this guy's an idiot. Yep. And he is. Is it just that they need to switch the coach in Atlanta or do they need to do way more? I mean, they probably need to get a quarterback too, but like what else needs to get fixed there? For a franchise that not too long ago were really good. You know, like mm-hmm. Matt Ryan won an MVP, they made the Super Bowl, you know, lost in horrible fashion. Mm-hmm. But you know, all that all that thing. That was like five, six years ago. So like Yeah. How do they how Wasn't do they that flip ago. that? I think it really just is quarterback play. Because you've got weapons there on offense. You probably need to I actually don't really know who's on their offensive line, to be honest with you. Like <laughs> I I'm sure I know that they have like one really good guard, I think, and then the rest is kind of just like average, average guys. Um, so maybe bolster the offensive line a little bit, but that defense was pretty solid this year, and they have playmakers on yep. that side of the ball. And they're so um, good at home too. 
Yeah. Oh, they're they're fantastic at home. One of the best home field advantages in in football, and that's that's a large part thanks to those fans that deserve a good team. I think the biggest thing is is quarterback, and I think if the Bears want to trade Fields rather than the pick, then Atlanta is a great place to send him. And I don't know what Atlanta would have to give up to get Justin Fields, but I think if you I mean if you pair Justin Fields with Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, and Drake London, like that's a really solid young core to to kind of ride with for the next few years trying to trying to be competitive so um i think that's the biggest thing desmond ritter is is actually a game manager like when cam newton was calling uh dak prescott a game manager like that's that's not the truth but but what yeah. actually is a game manager is Den- desmond ritter yeah. a guy yeah. with very minimal arm talent and really just like does check downs and does his first option wide receiver and doesn't know how to read a defense or move through his progressions. That's Desmond Ritter. Um, so yeah, we got it. That's, that's really the biggest issue that Atlanta needs to address this off season. Now that they've gotten rid of the biggest problem, which was Arthur Smith. So Desmond hasn't played a good game. Like really like tell me a game that he's had. That's been good since Cincinnati, even when he was still in Cincinnati, his last game that he played when he was there, who was it against? The Crimson Tide in the playoff. Mm-hmm. Yep, and he looked not Flop. good in that game. Flop, you know, because he was playing so, a bunch of NFL caliber defenders. Exactly. Like he his his stats are boosted when he was at Cincinnati because he was playing a bunch of guys that you know maybe going to make the XFL. Like the, the, those those that's not a, a fair judge of talent when when you're looking at a quarterback. So. Yeah, definitely, definitely need to move on. From Although them. he did have a Sauce Gardner on his team, so I'll give him that. He he had to yeah on the other side of the him. ball. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. True. But he, but that's he did true. have to practice against him. Uh, it's fair. Probably three four days a week. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, Ron Rivera, no longer the coach of the Commanders, and they've mm-hmm. uh, decided to get a little consulting firm, including Bob Myers <laughs> and Magic Johnson, which I think is just so funny. And very interesting. But also, I kind of like that because I like what Josh Harris, the new owner, is doing. Like, he's ambitious. He's, like, wanting to, like, try new things. And now they're going to be able to bring the guy that they want. So, i ask you the same question. Is it just the coach? Is it more than that? How do they fix up the the mess that has been there for a very, very long time? I, I would say that if they hadn't made some of the trades that they did this year, um, then I would have more faith in the direction that they're going. But I think it, this was more of just a past due firing and that the management is still not in great hands. I do like what he's doing in terms of just like being creative and trying to find different solutions for their problems, which are many. Um, but to trade away Chase Young for a bag of chips and and make some of the moves that they have over the past year, it's just they're questionable at best. And I like if you stick with Sam Howell, you're in a bad spot. If you go and draft Drake May, like I've seen on a lot of draft boards, I still think you're in a bad spot because I don't. I think Drake May is the next like Mitch Trubisky, and so that I mean, you know, Mitch Trubisky is backing up. Uh, um, who's the starter for the Steelers right now? Uh, Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph. When you're backing up Mason Rudolph, um, that's that says enough about how good of a quarterback you are. I, again, I'm not very high on Drake May, but yeah, I, just, I don't know. I, I think the the Commanders are in a a tough spot and are going to continue to be in a tough spot just because they really haven't been good, save that one RG three season since like 
the early nineties. So even when they won that division uh, a couple of years ago, they were seven to nine. Yeah, <laughs> so the, like it were... was the NFC least, not the NFC East. So yep, yeah, not great. That was a, that was a scary year. I like Ron though, man. Like I don't know if he's a head coach anymore, but I do think he's a very valuable asset to most, if not any NFL team, especially in a oh, yeah. coordinator position. Absolutely. I feel bad. It never worked out. Like he had so yeah. many challenges there. And some yep. of it was his fault, you know, like not great stuff on the field, especially the last couple of years. But a lot of it, like, you know, being around a really toxic environment when the Snyders were still there and mm-hmm. just not and the, Brian not, Robinson Jr. getting shot. Right. And, yeah. Just <laughs> not not the most ideal working conditions no. at all. So I do feel for him for that. And I do. Of all the, the coaches that have been let go, like this is the one I, I'm most like empathetic towards because it's like, yeah, yeah, like it wasn't great on the field, but also it's just, just a lot happened when he was there and he's a good coach. I mean, he, he took the Panthers to the Super Bowl and mm-hmm. they were really good. And like, he's, he's won coach of the year twice. So it's not like we can't deny that he's not a good coach, you know, like right. it, he is. It's mm-hmm. just may- maybe he's just not a head coach anymore. I mean, he's a little bit yeah. older and he's dealt with cancer. Uh, he dealt with cancer when he was in Washington specifically. So we'll see what he does. But there's a lot that needs to get fixed there. Um, I do not like Drake May either. But also Sam Howell's not that great either. I don't know. There's a lot that needs to get done on, on the on the football side. And mm-hmm. the GM will have to... I can't remember the GM's name, but he has to you know have a lot of say in that and make sure they get mm-hmm. things right. Um, and it probably won't happen quick, but... Give it a couple of years, and I think it will be totally fine. So yeah, okay. Uh, now we're getting to the spicy stuff. Uh, Vrabel, I was kind of shocked. I was not ready for that. I knew there was going to be some change in Tennessee this off season, especially with apparently Derrick Henry not going to be there anymore. But I was not mm-hmm. ready for this. I thought they were going to wait it another year. Is he the the best free agent coach on the market right now? Yes or no? And where do the Titans go from here? Because I have no idea. The Titans go to poverty because Will Levis is a fine quarterback. I think he, I mean, I, he's not my favorite, but I, I think he's fine. I mean, he'll he'll have a decent enough career. Um, but this, the management of this Titans team has been terrible for the past like three years, dating back to the A.J. Brown trade. I mean, that was a terrible decision, not, not giving A.J. Brown his bag, trading Kevin Byard away. I mean, you look not even three years ago, not even three whole years ago, back in 2021, 2022, the Titans are the number one seed in the AFC. And, I mean, they they lose their divisional round game at home. So, you know, it was a short-lived... But they made the AFC Championship game, like, the year before, too. So, like, they had been on a good stretch. Exactly. And that, like, they give all the credit there to Vrabel. His first four years, they're in the playoffs every year. And those last two years of that four-year stretch... It's an AFC championship game and a one seed. Like they're fine. Now you look, if you told, if you told me back then that now at this point, when the playoffs haven't even started in 2024, that Vrabel's gone, that Derrick Henry's an upcoming free agent and they're not going to resign him. That AJ Brown is gone. Kevin Byard's gone. And Ryan Tannehill is gone too. I'd be like, no, they, they fumbled harder than really any team in recent memory has fumbled. Like that, that could have been, they, I mean, I'm not going to say that they would have ran the AFC every year because you got Patrick Mahomes out there. You got Joe Burrow out there, but you've, you are competing at least you're be, you're 
you're up there with them. You're you're in the heavyweight fight, and now they're out of it. And now, I mean, and and I think I really do think that Vrabel was the reason that this team was even like competitive down the stretch, like in that game against Jacksonville that they won. They were good at home. This this Titans team was good at home. Most of their wins came at home. When you have a young quarterback, road games are going to be tough to win. So you have to get through those growing pains when you switch to a young quarterback midway through the season. Right. I think it's a, the wrong move. This is really the only decision by by any of these, uh, what, eight teams, I think, that made coaching changes already, something like that, that I really do not understand. Um, it, it, it came as a shock to me, too. So Where do you think he goes? Yeah, I feel like he could go anywhere, and it'd he, be he could. a pretty good fit. Yeah. Do you, do you I think, think he, he takes something now though? I do you think there's mm. maybe some smoke that something could happen in the playoffs with one of these coaches and mm. maybe he you know waits for finds a better situation? Yeah. yeah. Or because do you, really do you, do you think teams... he could go to college too? Do you think that's a possibility? I don't think it is, but it, it's worth asking the question. Yeah. I don't I don't think that he would go down to college. But I think that that's a really fair question to ask if he's going to wait um, until the rest of the inevitable offseason moves kind of progress before he makes a decision. Because, I mean, the Titans were talking about trading him, like like we were talking about with, with Dawson. That means that like other teams were interested in trading for him, possibly. I think that he should go to a situation that is a little bit more built to win now and maybe is like a piece or two away from that. I agree. Uh, less like a, probably not New England. Even though I think he'd be a good fit there culture-wise, probably they're probably several years away, I think, from actually being competitive because they have a lot of problems. But I think a team like the Saints, uh, if they you know want to go in, in that direction of getting Vrabel on their staff, I think that would be a really good decision for them because they've got a lot of pieces and really quarterback uncertainty, even with Carr playing pretty well this year, um, has been their like biggest thing. Um, and they were decent, you know. I think they they finished with a winning record, right? Or eight and nine, maybe. Um, so, you know, they're they're close. So I, I think that he should go to a situation that is a little bit more favorable or has the opportunity to be next year, rather than you know somewhere like, like I said, uh, New England, which is not a favorable situation. Sure. Yeah. I think the Chargers are a great spot for him too. Mm-hmm. I know you talked about that with Harbaugh, but I think that's a a really nice spot, assuming they can keep most of the stuff together. Mm -hmm. I know it's going to be really hard because Eckler wants a bag and there's just a lot of general uncertainty there right now, but I I do think that's a good spot. But I I do think that one of these playoff teams are going to end up firing a coach. I don't know who. I'm not saying who just yet. We'll see how it all plays out. But if Mm -hmm. one of those pops up, I think he's all over that personally i agree so i agree we'll see i I, he's the best one on the market right now by far Mm -hmm. by far and i and i hope for sure he gets a good situation to like back that up so all right now the big stuff so we're gonna start in order of which it happened okay um yesterday so this this was in the morning right or like early afternoon when this broke uh p carroll and the Seahawks, they're not parting ways. Like he's still in the organization, he's still going to be an advisor, but they decided that he's not going Stepping to be the anymore. Yes. Yeah. And it sounded like it was his or their decision, not his. 
because he's still mm-hmm. pretty fired up, and I think he could still coach if he wanted to. So, oh yeah, end of an era of a, a really successful tenure for him there in Seattle, making two Super Bowls. Should have won both of them, but definitely won one of them. Mm-hmm. Having great defenses, making something out of nothing consistently every year, uh, yep. doing really well in the post Russ era. Mm-hmm. Just your general thoughts and reaction to one of the greats of of our league uh, not being around next year and beyond i think i think a lot of it just has to do with the the seahawks are to me it 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 tells me that they're ready to step into a new era that uh you know giving um what can i think of his name their quarterback um gino it's not drew lock gino gino smith giving gino smith that bag uh for three years like they did um you know is not like they're they're not giving him that bag to say, okay, you're our quarterback of the future. They're giving that to say, okay, you're our quarterback until we figure out who's next. And um, so I think they want to find their head coach that is going to be with their, their next guy up for, for quarterback. And I think that, you know, Pete, Pete Carroll is 72 years old too, you know, age factors into it. So when you're an organization looking at, well, our guy is 72 and you got these, you know, uh, you know, younger 40s uh, coaches down in San Francisco and Arizona and and all these other places where these young guys, uh, Mike McDaniel out in, in Miami, are are really kind of taking over the league. Do we need to follow suit? And I think that this is their answer: is that yes, they're they're trying to find that next guy up um, that can can take this roster that's pretty solid um, in a lot of spots. Really, just needs to polish polish off the edges uh, a little bit but but can still be competitive and was competitive this year um finished with a winning record just barely missed the playoffs yeah I, th- I think that the future's bright in seattle um and i think it's it's nice that they're keeping him around but yeah it was it was very an, an emotional thing for sure especially watching his press conference i was like man what a, what a guy you know don't like usc and never really like loved the seahawks but but pete's always been a guy so yeah um Good to see them do right by him. And something tells me, too, that I think that if he was offered a job, specifically, like, if he went back to college, I do Mm -hmm. think he would jump at it. Um, I'm not saying that he should for that long, because he is 72 years old. Um, Or, no, he's, or is he, is he that old? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So, you know, let's let's see what he does there. Uh, Watch this space. But I do think that he would jump at it because I think he still has a fire within him to to go far and to make something happen. Um, Oh, he definitely does. It's not like he's lost, you know, the ability to do well with X's and O's. He hasn't by any stretch of the imagination. So, Absolutely. I dig him, and and I think that uh, the league is going to miss him. And I'm curious to see how Seattle responds to that because they they don't need to do much, you know, like you just mentioned, like you alluded to, like, there's a couple things they can fix here and there, but I think they're in a good spot, despite them being in a pretty competitive division, to mm-hmm. be able to bring in somebody who can help them elevate to the next level. And maybe Bravel is that guy. Like honestly, yeah. Bravel will be a great fit there. Yeah. Culturally, like kind of same vibe as Carol, um, and has already has proven success and he's mm-hmm. good with with solid defensive teams and Seattle's yeah. obviously a pretty solid defensive team. So I like it. I yeah, like that idea absolutely. if it were to, to come to fruition, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? And then about, what was it, 4 o'clock? I was getting ready for Wednesday night at church. Yeah. One of my one of my group chats that I'm in uh, sent it first, and then 
the next like 15 minutes, I just had to like stand where I was standing and just mass reply and mass send out the news. And mm-hmm. it was so chaotic for about 15 minutes yesterday when the news that Nick Saban is retiring from coaching and is stepping down from his post at Alabama, which is, it's just odd to say that out loud. We kind of knew it was coming. It's not a surprise, but it's a, a surprise that it's happening now. And apparently somebody was saying on SVP uh, sports center last night that he was like still doing sec, like media stuff, like even yesterday, like a couple hours before he, uh, decided to call the team meeting and, and make it official, which is like that dude is psycho, you know, like yeah. just totally oh, yeah. normal, even though he probably had in the back of his mind that he was ready to go. When you think of Nick Saban, and I know that you and me like both think similarly in the sense of like, we don't super love him because it's, you know, ruined a, a national championship opportunity for Texas in 09 and wins all the time, that sort of thing. But when you think of Nick Saban and you think of his legacy, what, what comes to your mind? Success. I mean, he, he is, in my eyes, and I think I don't remember who said this, but someone this morning was on on one of the several uh, ESPN shows was was saying like Saban's done, and and then another guy that we're about to talk about also is done. Um, who had the better legacy? And and I would argue Saban, just because he would you you never had a doubt in your mind who was responsible for that. Um, behemoth of a team that he put together year in and year out he consistently had the best recruiting classes in college football um he consistently had uh, you know all pros coming out of the defensive end um and wide receivers you want want to talk about some of the best wide receivers of the last 10 years look no further than alabama i mean you got a heisman winner over there you got julio jones you've got calvin guys like calvin ridley Jerry Judy, you know, the, the list goes on. I mean, the, the talent from there and, and running back too. I mean, um, he just did a great job getting guys ready for the NFL, setting them up for success, teaching them the things that they need to know about how to be successful in the NFL. And they would implement that at the college level, which is why Alabama was so dominant. There was not a year that went by that I, I think that anybody looked at Alabama's schedule and thought, oh, they could, they could go or looked at the schedule and didn't think, oh, they could go undefeated this year you know that's just how good they were so success is one word to sum it all up you know there, there wasn't a graduating class that came through alabama that didn't win a title which is insane um and yeah and that that's all to do with saban and it was so many different kinds of teams too you had teams that were run dominant you had teams with good quarterbacks and good passing systems you had teams that really weren't great offensively but leaned on the defense heavily you had defenses that struggled but the offense would still find a way to fight their way into the college football playoff or the bcs national championship and um that just that it all goes back to coaching and you, you could plug and play guys at the coordinator positions too it didn't really matter as long as it was saving at the helm they were fine. So, yeah, he is the epitome of success and he is the epitome of hard work. And you know what you're getting when it comes to player development, when it comes to coaching development, recruiting. When we're talking about the upper echelon of guys, like he is at the very top when it comes to all of that. Like, like you just alluded to, look at all the guys in his coaching tree that are now head coaches Kirby Smart, Sark, mm-hmm. Lanning was mm-hmm. at Alabama at some point. Uh, DeBoer, I think, was at Alabama at some point. It was. I'm pretty sure. Jimbo, I could go on yeah. and on and on and on. You know, like the success there, what you just alluded to with, uh, you know, 
skill players and what he did at the end of his time there or the latter half with quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts, mm -hmm. Mac Jones, although Mac Jones does not translate it super well in the NFL, Bryce Young, Tua, Tua, mm -hmm. even uh, making a Milrow this year like serviceable after a horrible start to the season yeah. and making him look really good towards the latter half. Like that's that speaks volumes as to who he is and how hard he works at his craft and how much he cares about developing and, and developing at such a high level that I'll mm -hmm. always respect that about him. I, I think he's quirky and it's not that we even like hate the guy. It's just like, we just got annoyed that they were like winning all the time and that's okay. Yeah. You know, like they never had a scandal when he was there really like nope. never cheated. Like he did things the right way. And this was such a, a good spot for him to spend his last 13 years coaching after, you know, all the roller coaster of solid stuff in college for a little bit, went to the NFL. He hated his time in Cleveland, even though he was good at being a defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. Going to LSU, winning a title, then going to Miami and having a, a rough time back in the NFL, and then coming back into this, and then sticking with Alabama when he easily could have gone to like Texas or mm -hmm. Florida or somebody that was linked to like throw him all the money in the world, you know, at various points when he was at Alabama. So, He's he's the goat um, as far as college football goes, and as Scott Van Pelt said it last night, the fact that he made Bear Bryant the second greatest coach in Alabama history is quite mm -hmm. an accomplishment in itself, mm -hmm. I would say. So, kudos to him. Yeah. I hope he enjoys retirement. I hope he gets on TV. I really hope that's his next thing. Like he needs to be doing TV all the time from here on out. Like he's a great personality to have on TV. Absolutely, get on it, somebody. Whether it's Fox, ESPN. I don't know who's got to do it, but somebody's got to do it and do it. Quick. I would love to see him and Pat McAfee talk about football. Oh man. That would be entertaining. Yeah. You want people to pay to watch your show? Sign me up. I'll, I'll pay however much you want to watch that for 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, that's, that'd be quality football, quality TV. So, yeah. Yeah. And you just alluded to him as well, but the other big domino happened this morning uh, or the news of it came out this morning, actually came official this afternoon. Bill Belichick and the Patriots are no more. They have mutually agreed to part ways. After 20-something years at the helm of the Patriots, most of that with Tom Brady as his quarterback with, what was it, six Super Bowls? Five, six? Mm -hmm. Six. I don't, I don't even know what question to ask you. Just like <laughs> There's so many questions. Yeah, like, just... What are just, your thoughts on it? It was time. It was time. Uh, I feel bad for him in the sense of like the quarterback situation after Brady just never figured itself out. Like I, do, I feel bad, but I don't feel bad because he is the GM. So like he had the say in all of this. Mm -hmm. So it's like his fault that he ended up with the quarterbacks that he did. It, it just, you know, feeds into the narrative of like he couldn't win without Brady. Like Brady was the better of the two in the equation and all that. But like, mm -hmm. let's, let's not get it twisted. Like he's, one of the best, if not the best NFL coach ever. Um, yeah. And one of the most successful, obviously, with all the rings that he's won. So I, I think it was needed. Um, I think this is the Patriots and Robert Kraft admitting that it's time for a new era. It's time to fully let go. And it's time to rebuild from, from the ground up because they, they need a lot of rebuilding. Um, I don't think that whoever they hire next or whatever roster moves they make, I don't think it will translate to immediate success at all. And I think they yeah. have to realize that and like be prepared for that. And that's okay. Sometimes you got to go through uh, 
phases like that. But I'm not sure what he's going to do. I feel like he should retire and just like call it a day. But I know deep down inside of him, he wants to keep going. I just don't know what exactly would be a good fit, considering he wants to have so much control from like a GM sort of sense. So that's kind of where I'm at with all that. Yeah, when it comes to roster building, he's not great at that. He's he's great at all aspects of football, um, except for that. And so I agree with you there. I, personally, I don't think that he has the personality type to really like change. And so I, I just feel like he's going to look at this situation and be like, well, I could go somewhere else, be a part of a whole new culture in a whole new city with all new players and all new personnel, like even down to like their equipment managers, you know, and, and having to have that much new stuff. I think I I would say that odds are that he hangs it up for good. I I don't know where is a good fit either. Um, It would be hilarious if he went to a team like Carolina or something, you know, Um, he'd be miserable, (laughs) but it'd just be funny. I don't know. And here's the other thing is it, it, it is good that he got out when he did. It's good that the Patriots kind of forced him out when they did because any more seasons like this on his resume and you start not not discrediting him for any of those Super Bowls, but looking at it even more suspect than people are right now because they like you look at that team and the way it's constructed, which is all his fault, the way that it's constructed and there is not a single like unit that i like i don't like their linebackers i don't like their secondary i don't like their defensive linemen outside of uh, and I, I don't even really count um, matt judon as a defensive lineman more of an edge guy you know linebacker type but uh, I, I don't like i don't like any any of their defensive personnel I hate their offensive line. I think that they made a lot of mistakes because they used to have a really solid offensive line. They let guys like Joe Thune walk, which is unfortunate. Um, their running back room is okay because of Ramondre Stevenson and Zeke, but Zeke's getting old. Ramondre, can he operate behind a bad offensive line? This year, the answer was kind of no. He's also dealing with some injury problems. Wide receiver room is trash. Um, so... You know, I think it's a good time for for Bill to hit the road. But yeah, I mean, just crazy that the, both of those dominoes fell on the same day. I was not expecting either of them to happen this early, and certainly not both to happen one right after the other. And I, I thought that uh, Greg Popovich had the opportunity to do something really funny <laughs> and just walk away midseason after seeing the news, being like, "Oh yeah, the Spurs suck too. Maybe I can." hang it up and save face so oh um gosh. but uh yeah it's great crazy crazy times in the world of football for sure but it is fitting that they both went out at the same time because in some ways like they were you know they've always been connected yeah, yeah. because of their time together in cleveland and just the the very equal amounts of success that uh they had you know mm-hmm. in their respective fields lebron may yep. have just gotten hurt uh, by the way, I'm watching oh. Suns uh, Lakers right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, he rolled an ankle. It's fine. He'll be just fine. It, it's very fitting. It's very poetic that it ended up that way. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think there could have been any other way. Now that it's happened, it's like, of course, it had to be like that. It yeah. had to be. So I don't know who 
should be in New England. I know they talked about one of their coordinators just stepping up and, and being their, the next guy, which is probably they talked the right about move. Gerard Mayo stepping into that. Yeah, role. I think. Um, I, yeah, I think that's who yeah, I'm thinking of. And he's and, one of the defensive coaches. Yeah, yeah. And he used to play for them. He was a linebacker. So now, as long I think as it's that, not Josh McDaniels or Matt Patricia. Ooh, jeez, boy, man. All good with me, and probably good with most, if not all, Patriots fans. So, yeah, man. I, I yeah, I, I have a friend here that's a Patriots fan, and, and so we've talked about this pretty extensively. But he has nothing good to say about Matt Patricia, and he said if if this if Matt Patricia fills this hole and is the head coach, I will not be watching a single snap of Patriots football next year because I will be bored to death and also frustrated at the same time. So, yeah, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. Real quick before we talk playoff games i want to jump back to the saving bit one thing that we kind of forgot to mention i think a big reason as to why he's doing this now is that i bet you he's just so tired of all this nil portal stuff mm-hmm. like oh my gosh not yeah. even that I, he could adapt to it because i i don't doubt the guy but right. he's probably so exhausted so yeah. exhausted at it all i mean like college football is a mess mm-hmm. right now in that regard excuse me such a mess and it mm-hmm. I don't blame him for being like, I'm good. I don't want to deal with this anymore. This is ridiculous. And he's like yep. openly talked about it a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Better to get out now before it gets worse, right? So, I agree. And you know, that's been kind of his calling card while he's been at Alabama is just how good of a recruiter he is. And like those one-on-one meetings with him and a player's uh, family, you know, and, and having that experience and creating those bonds. Um, and now it's like he goes through all that trouble and genuinely creates all these connections with his players, and then they're out after a year because he didn't play them enough. Like I'm sure that that frustrated him beyond belief. Um, and he's a very emotional guy, and uh, so I would not like to be the one breaking the news to him that I'm transferring to like Clemson or Texas. Even you know, it's like right. really you're going to leave my program for them? Okay, yeah, good riddance. So I, I agree with you. I think that's that probably played a, a good role in, in this, especially because it's, like you said, there's just so many question marks. There's not really a good answer to how this all ends up because it's been such a mess implementing it. Who do you think should be the replacement? I mean, you can't replace the guy by no. any means. You can't replace Belichick either. But Mm-mm. how in the world or what in the world is Alabama going to do? Like what, what guy out there makes the most sense? Obviously, Lanning's out now because he said mm-hmm. earlier today that it's not going to happen. He wouldn't do it, yeah. Florida State guy, who I'm totally blanking on his name, Norvell. Apparently, he's mm-hmm. getting a raise of Florida State, but even oh, though wow. I don't think that necessarily matters because I'm sure Alabama could just, you know, their boosters will throw all the money that they need oh, yeah. to. But who makes, who makes sense there? I guess, should they go for somebody that's going to help them sustain their level of success? Or do you think they need to like take a step back and kind of like reestablish and take a few years like at a lower level, even though Alabama fans will like, you know, me saying that? And do they like hire somebody that reflects that? I think that at this day and age with the transfer portal and NIL being where it is, you don't ha- you can't afford to um to take a step back and to take your foot off the gas pedal, especially with these new conferences that we've got with the PAC 12 dissolving with Texas and OU coming into your conference um, and having, 
you know games regularly against even steeper competition you're already in the sec and now now you got even better teams coming in and you have to play them consistently like that's going to be tough to be able to take a step back and then come back from that you know so um i think they have to get a win now guy i think they have to get a guy that all the commits that they have right now uh look at and say oh okay i can still go and play for that guy and be happy it really pains me to say it but i think if i was alabama i would look sark's way first and i i personally don't think that sark leaves this texas team i think he's really proud of what he's built and i think that he is like this is my doing like i you know i came in i built this culture i the the reason most of these guys are here is because of me and so i want to keep on with that but if i'm bama i'm throwing the yard at him i'm i'm saying you can have what you want you can you know, hire and fire who you want. You can do recruiting however you want. Um, but uh, I think that's the best solution for them. I just really hope that it, it does not come to fruition because obviously we want Sark to stay for the long haul. Um, so yeah, hook him forever. But um, yeah, I think Sark is probably the best solution. I have no idea. Genuinely. Like I understand not like wanting landing because He's one of the, the brighter minds, younger minds. You could have him for a long time. I understand why he wouldn't want to because he's got everything that he could possibly want in Oregon already. I know Sark was kind of touted as the guy to be the replacement if he had stuck around in Alabama before he got hired by Texas. So I get your point there. I get, you know, wanting Norvell, especially after the, the season that, that he just had with Florida State. And maybe it's a good time for him to get out now that they just got a two-year probation. Um and a bunch of stuff that just came down, I guess, earlier today. I understand getting the board because he just had a, a great year with Washington. Um, and all this to say, like, it's just going to be hilarious when they hire either Dabo or Jimbo Fisher, or oh if gosh. they're just dumb, <laughs> if they're just dumb and they get Dion. Can you imagine Dion going oh there? Oh my gosh. I mean, yes, I could imagine it, but. I don't want to deal with the media headache that that is. I mean, oh it would goodness. be horrible football because he's a horrible coach, but he would bring in the players. It'd be horrible football, and it would just be like the only thing that you see on ESPN would be Alabama and freaking Deion Sanders and Shadur, too. I just can't deal with that. I, I don't want to deal with that headache, so I'm I'm out on that idea. I did see a tweet. You'll You'll find this funny. I did see a tweet yesterday. <laughs> When the news that Chris Christie had canceled his presidential uh, campaign, oh, <laughs> and, and somebody oh, quote no. tweeted, and it was like, he's taking the Alabama job. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> lost it. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh my gosh. That's horrible. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, Ain't no way, man. No way. All right. That's enough of that. We have playoff games to talk about. We have six we... playoff games to talk about. Playoffs. We're talking about playoffs. playoffs. All right, my friend. Listener, if you have been around the last few years, this is how we usually do playoff uh, episodes. We go round by round. We do not make any predictions outside of the current round that we're talking about. Okay. So we'd like to talk about key matchups, X factors, storylines, things like that. Things that are going to be important for each of these matchups. We like to talk about the money lines and the spreads and over unders and all that. And we'll do that for all six of these games, and then we'll make a prediction about each of these games. And then we'll come back next week and see if we were right or wrong. And hopefully next week and the week after, and for the Super Bowl episode, we will have more people on the likes of Jet, and obviously, and Dawson, and 
Noah and Jake and hopefully some other guys will be able to come on for future episodes. But for now, it's just us two and we'll just roll how it is. I wanted to start with uh, some of the, the games that I think are going to be kind of duds uh, or not as exciting, not as enticing. Let's start with the Steelers playing the Bills. Is this a Saturday game or is this a Sunday game? I can't remember. Let me check. This I is a, oh, this is, this is a Sunday game. Saturday. Oh, it's Sunday. It's okay. a Sunday game. Okay, so yep. they're playing yep. in Buffalo. It's probably going to be butt cold. Mm-hmm. The over-under is set at 36, which is understandable considering the cold, uh, and the Bills are favored by 10. They sure are. And you know what? If, if uh, TJ Watt was healthy... You know, I would slam down the underdog and say Steelers, baby, which is crazy coming from a Cowboys fan. I'm sitting here in a Cowboys jersey saying Steelers, baby. But truly, I think, first of all, I I am one that's not very high on the Bills, even though they beat the Cowboys. I just, there are so many problems with that team. Um, one of the biggest ones being your quarterback is one of the biggest turnover machines in NFL history. I don't care about the touchdown production. I mean, obviously that's important in football, but when you're turning the ball over nearly once for every two touchdowns you score, um, it's you know, concerning. There's, there's reason for concern there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to be Buffalo. I, I'm sure. I just, I think it will be a lot closer than people think. And personally, I think it might be, you know, not just a one score game, but might be like a three or four point game at the end of it. I could see it being like 17, 13, uh, 13, 10, something like that. So um, don't expect a lot of offense in that game. Yeah. I think the Steelers are going to find a way to make this ugly, despite the fact that they have the major disadvantage of quarterback. Mason Rudolph has been very good these last three games, which is like shocking to me. Mm -hmm. However, he's no Josh Allen. And I know you just, you know, talked about the negatives of Josh Allen, but Josh Allen has been playing very good the last like six, seven games of the season too, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're at home and I'm going to take the bills because they're at home and they're more used to the environment. But I do think that Mike Tomlin will find a way to make this game ugly, to make it very slow and try to mm-hmm. just muck it up and try to keep yep. it low scoring. Although I do see the the bills pulling away at the end. I Watts a big miss, man. Like that's, yeah. that's a huge huge knock for the Steelers defense. And I don't think that could be overstated. So yeah, I'll, I'll take the bills there. Yep. But like, like you, I'll take it slightly and I'm, I'm going to take the under. I think so too. I think that's yeah. a, that's a good call considering the cold. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have the dolphins going to Kansas city, which will also be very cold. This is the peacock only streaming only game, which is so funny to me. Shout out Charles Menahue, hook him. He's a UT boy for giving out, subscriptions to peacock for those who need it considering this is a streaming only game this is saturday night at seven i will not be able to watch this live probably for the most part hopefully i'll be able to catch the end of it after we hopefully get done with worship at a decent hour uh the spread is set at uh four and a half kansas city favored uh the over under is set at 44 give me your x factor in this matchup i think the x factor is the weather i i don't like Tua in any cold game. Uh, historically, going back to college, just not been his friend. Uh, he's 0-4 in the NFL when it is uh, as as low as this temperature is going to be uh, in Kansas City. Um, he also doesn't have the experience that Patrick Mahomes does. I know that the Chiefs have been, you know, not close to what they have been in years past. This year, they've they've been uh, kind of a shell of themselves on offense. And Mahomes' numbers looked 
a lot worse than years past too. But Mahomes is still Mahomes. He's he's one of the best that we've ever seen do it. Uh, he's got eleven postseason wins, and I see this being another one. I, I also think that the Dolphins' health um, on the defensive oh, end huge. is is really huge. just a big sucky situation for for them. Yeah, their their linebacking core is is drilled uh, very thin. They had to go sign Justin Houston and someone else oh, to wow. fill the holes. Tra- Travis Kelsey is going to have himself a game. He he is going to feast on those uh, that depleted linebacking core. Those guys in the middle of the field, they're not going to be able to keep up with Travis. Yeah, I've got the Chiefs. I think it the spread is probably about where it should be. I think it's like a the Chiefs are like a five point favorite. I'd take them by like a touchdown, probably like a twenty seven twenty game or like a twenty four sixteen. 24-14, maybe, maybe a 10-point game. But, I mean, the Dolphins have the offensive firepower to keep it close. But, again, experience, Andy Reid, I'll take him over Mike McDaniel any day. Um, and I really – the Chiefs' defense is pretty solid. They've had to carry it several times this yep. season, and, yes. and I think they'll do that this game. So Arrowhead is not the home field advantage that we want to make it out to be sometimes, especially in the playoffs. I mean, you think about it. They've lost to uh, They've lost to the Bengals. Mm-hmm. Almost lost to them again, and then they lost to the Patriots. So it's not like they're invincible at Arrowhead this time of year. Right. But they're pretty close to it. I don't ever bet against Patrick Mahomes. I've said this since the beginning of the season. I've said this since they won the Super Bowl last season. They like you just don't do that. Mm-hmm. Are they a weaker team? Absolutely. But I do think, like you said, and I agree with you hundred percent, that the health of the Dolphins on defense is just shot. Like Bradley Chubb not being able to to play this game is a huge loss. Like you mentioned, all those other linebackers. It, it's tough, man. And they didn't have a great offensive showing even last week against Buffalo. And that doesn't bode well considering the fact that they have to play away from home, which they are not good on the road at all. They have to play in the cold. And like you mentioned, Mike McDaniel just doesn't have the experience that Andy mm-hmm. Reid does. So Chiefs all day, like not even yeah. close to me. I'll take the under uh, for sure. But I, mm-hmm. I don't think that I don't think it's going to be a close game, honestly. I really don't. No, um, I think it'll be I think 10 the points will be probably. Fine. I also want to point out that um, all of the uh, Dolphins' weapons are dealing with injuries or are just banged up in general. I mean, Mostert and uh, HN have both been, been hurt and missed multiple games this year. Uh, Tyreek Hill has had like four different in- injuries. Not injured, he's hurt. Uh, that he's been playing through. He missed several snaps late in the game last week against Buffalo, um, where he would take a big hit, clutch his lower back, and walk to the sideline gingerly. I was like, that's not good for a you know, 30-year-old guy to be looking like <laughs> you shouldn't be holding your back like that right, yet. Right. Um, and then uh, even Waddle has dealt with his share of ankle stuff this year. So, yeah, health is, is a negative for the Dolphins going in, and it's an uphill battle in Arrowhead. Absolutely. Okay, we're getting spicier. Eagles going to Tampa Bay to face the NFC South winners in the Bucks on Monday night. It's the Monday night game this year. Spread is set at the Eagles favored by three on the road and the over-under set at 43 and a half. I know you're not an Eagles fan. In fact, you're an Eagles hater by uh, <laughs> definition, which of course you have to be being a Cowboys fan. Um, mm-hmm. What do the Eagles need to do to not look as bad as they have been the last few weeks. Also, what do the Bucks need to do to make sure that the Eagles continue to look bad? The Bucks need to manage the heck out of the game. They need to run the ball. Rashad White needs to be a big part of the game plan. They need to keep the ball away from the Eagles who like to own the time of possession. Honestly, 
I think that the morale and the attitude and the energy on the Eagles side is like depleted. If you've watched them the past six weeks, they look like a shell of that Super Bowl team from last year. Like very much so. They're also dealing with some injuries. They're they're banged up. I mean, Hertz has not been right for several weeks. You know, it's awesome to see him throw a couple of picks against the the Seahawks, but he did that, you know, playing not only hurt, but playing sick. Um, so I, I feel for the guy. I really do. He dislocated um, a finger. He dislocated on a this finger past Sunday, which is tough. And yeah, I, I it's it's gonna be really tough to come into a hostile environment like Tampa Bay and go up against a, a team that has some swagger to it because of Baker Mayfield out of all guys. In this situation, and I can't believe that I'm saying this in uh, the year of our Lord 2024, <laughs> but the fact that I trust Baker Mayfield with the football more than I trust Jalen Hurts to take care of the football at least is crazy to me, but I do like truly. I think that the Bucks have a really solid chance at winning this game. I think it's close. I, I think I'd probably take the under in this game too. I don't think it's a crazy offensive game. I think it's a slower paced game. I think it's a game where the pace is controlled by both offenses trying to really run the ball a lot. But I think the Bucks could could pull off an upset here. Honestly, I think they are because of what you mentioned about the morale of the Eagles. They're done for. They're cooked. Which like. Stinks because 11 months ago, this team was a few minutes away from winning the Super Bowl had they not, you know, done a couple things wrong and let Mahomes, you know, go crazy despite him being clearly hurt. I'd be worried if I was an Eagles fan because of, of Jalen's injury, just the the lackadaisicalness, is that even a word, mm-hmm. of their offense right now? Like, and Tampa's at home, and I don't know how good they are at home, but I'm sure they're better than they are on the road. I'll have to look it up here in a second, but... Oh my gosh, man. Like give yeah, give me the uh give me Tampa all day. I'm sorry. Like I some people will be like, oh, that's crazy. The Eagles have the pedigree and they've the defending NFC champions. They've also looked horrible the last like month and a half. Like they're one in five in the last six games. Are you kidding? It's not they, good. I, I said this when they were ten and one. I said that they're the worst ten and one team that I've ever seen. They had a terrible point differential at that point. They're four and four um, at home, by the way. So it's like doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I really don't feel it from the Eagles. I, I just I think that they've lost whatever they had. That magic that they had that pushed them to a Super Bowl last year into a ten and one start this year. I think it's gone. Um, this is not just me being a biased Cowboys fan. I just don't. I, I look at that team. I'm not scared of them anymore. If I'm if I'm the Buccaneers, I'm no, not like nobody oh, should it's be a juggernaut of an Eagles team. No, it's not. So yeah, I'm taking Bucks. I am too. Uh, I'll take the very slight under. Very 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 slight. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna honestly, I'm gonna take the Bucks by a touchdown, maybe like eight points. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I th- I, I think can see them winning uh, by six, like a couple field I th- goals. I think they lead like the whole time too. I, like I I really do. End to end win. Yeah. Let me say this for the Eagles to go and actually try to beat the Giants last week in the first half, at least, and look as flat as they did and not score a single point with Jalen Hurts in the game. That's when I knew I knew they were cooked. No matter who they're playing in the playoffs next week, I was like, that they're they're cooked. That team is done. Now, let me ask you this before we talk about next couple of games. Should they lose on Monday? Is that grounds to fire Sirianni? I don't think no. it should be. I, I think that's unfair. Yeah, I think so too. I think you, you've 
you're dealing with a lot of different factors that led to this slide. There's a lot that needs to be done defensively on the back end. Their secondary is weak and old. So that's a big thing. Also, their linebacking core is like non-existent. Um, Don't count Hassan Redick as a linebacker. He's purely an edge rusher. He hardly ever drops back into coverage. Like they, they have a lot of work to do on the back end of the defense. The the front end, the pass rush is great, um, but even even they were you know a step back from where they were last year. And then on offense, like you you have your guys, but you probably probably need to add a guy like a playmaker because they do Brown's great on the outside. Yeah, they need a running back. Like Swift was good this year, but nothing special. If they went out and got like Derrick Henry, I mean that might be a nice addition Eckler. for them. Or Eckler, yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, it, I wouldn't. I don't think it's Sirianni's fault, and I think that Sirianni is, you know, that's a guy that, like, if if I'm an Eagles fan, then I'm like, no, don't like keep him for the next ten years because he's the one that figured out how to be successful in spite of Jalen Hurts, like to work around all the problems that Jalen Hurts has, and kind of you know polish this turd because I'm not a fan of Jalen Hurts, um, and and figure out a way to to actually get something good out of him. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think they should fire Sirianni. No no chance. It would not shock me if Philly wins because of just... It wouldn't shock me either. From a fear of talent standpoint, like, yes, they haven't been that good, but from a fear of talent standpoint, like, they are better than Tampa in that regard. And, the roster is far better, yes. And Todd Bowles is not somebody who strikes me as the best coach either. So... No. I think Sirianni has a far far greater advantage in that regard than the Bulls does. But Bulls has made it work this year, so maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't be saying too much. Okay, three more games left. Let's start this uh, back half with the boys, the Cowboys, hosting the Packers in Arlington. It's the midday game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Over-under is 50.5. The Cowboys are favored by 7.5 points. I'm going to say my piece really quick, so that way you have all the time to rant. (laughs) As much as I think the Packers' running game is going to cause a little bit of a problem, let's get the facts straight. The Cowboys are at home. That itself is enough for me. Mm -hmm. The offense flows way better at home. Defense is good all the time. Dak plays so much better at home than he does on the road. And I think it's just, you know, the, the... Skill guys, specifically the receiver advantage that Dallas has over Green Bay, as much as Jordan Love has been fantastic this season and has been able to make it work despite Christian Watson not being at his best and having to basically pull it together with uh, Dobbs and uh, whoever else they even have that I can't even remember off the top Mm -hmm. of my head right now. Dallas is just better, full stop. And I don't think it's going to be that close of a game. Maybe I'm wrong. But also, LaFleur is good this mm-hmm. late in the season. So maybe he is able to make it somewhat close, but I think Dallas pulls it out in the end. I'm going to give two opinions. I'm going to give my biased Cowboys fan opinion, and I'm going to give my realistic opinion. So your okay? delusional opinion, and then your not delusional opinion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, there, There is a world where this ends up a runaway. There is a world where it is like a blowout until the end when the Packers get like a garbage time touchdown and it's like 38, 17, you know, that, that world exists because like you said, the Cowboys offense, it's really hard to stop when they're in Jerry's world. 
they are it's the passing game works really well they for some reason just have a lot more creative of a play call when they're at home Dak makes a lot of throws that maybe he shouldn't be making but he's just confident enough in himself to make it and it works um there's a different swagger that the cowboys play with at home and like you said that defense is dang dang good now having stefan gilmore get hurt last week is is a, a real concern but again like you said the the Packers wide receivers are they're nothing to laugh at. There's a solid group, but it's a very young group, an inexperienced very young, group. Yes. Um, with a young quarterback, too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's his first playoff game. I'm sure he's coming out eager to, you know, prove himself and and what a stage to do it on, you know. Um, but yeah, that that's my my biased opinion is Cowboys blow him out. Um, it gets closer at the end. It's still not close, though. It's like a three-score game. My real opinion, this divisional round is something that has plagued the Cowboys for 30 years. Wild card we round. Not, or, sorry, yeah, wild card round. Sorry. But I, what I meant to say is getting to the conference championship has plagued us for 30 years. Yes. Getting to that point where we can confidently say, go into a playoff game and say, oh, we've got this does not exist for a Cowboys fan. So realistically, I could easily see the Packers coming out and jumping on us because like you said, LaFleur is really good late in the season. He's proven that since he's been there with Rodgers and now with Love even. You know, they they had a great run to make the playoffs. Um I think the one kind of hole in the Cowboys defense sometimes is their secondary and big plays, but most of the time they have that under wraps pretty well, but it's long runs. It's like those six to 12 yard runs that just go right up the gut. Sometimes they're really great about stopping that. Other times, not so much. The Packers are big up front. They have physical runners. I think that the Packers will take advantage of that early on in the game. I think that they could find themselves with a lead at halftime. I think it could be like 14-10 at half because the Cowboys just really struggle to get things going. But I think even in that scenario, it's going to end up being like 24-20 Cowboys, 27-20 Cowboys. I don't see – I truthfully, even all biases aside, do not see a way that the Cowboys lose this wild card game at home. And if they do, then I'm calling for some heads because this team is one of, if not the most talented Cowboys team that I've seen in my lifetime. Even missing guys like Diggs and possibly Gilmore for this game. It's, it's a very deep team. There's really not a – one position that I look at where I'm like, we don't have a guy there, you know, that I, that I trust in big spots. And, and we have possibly the best wide receiver in the league and possibly like, you know, a, a, an MVP finalist uh, in Dak Prescott. It, it would just really shock me if they lost. Can I just mention real quick that I think it's important to note out that Aaron Jones has been playing a lot better the last few games. That's not because a good thing. For the, yeah. Cause he's healthy. He's finally got his feet under him. And I don't think that's a, a good thing for the Cowboys because like it you mentioned, not. those those long runs hurt sometimes. Um and he he can do that. He's got the talent. And AJ Dillon also can as well. But but Jones especially, him peaking at the right time, not the not the greatest thing uh, if you're a mm-hmm. a fan of the blue and white for sure. Hypothetical question. I was talking to Noah about this yesterday over text. Is it for McCarthy? Is this NFC Championship or bust as far as his job goes? I think the reality of the situation is yes. This is not my opinion. 
I don't think he should be fired because I think he has been the best thing for Dak Prescott's career. The the two best quarterbacking seasons that Dak has had have come under Mike McCarthy. However, when it comes to being in when when you have a star on your helmet, when you have a star on the front of your coaching cap, um, those expectations are heightened, and this will be his fourth full season, right? Fifth? I think so. Yeah, fourth yeah. at least. Um, and for us to not even make a championship, a conference championship game in that time, especially with this team and the team that lost to the 49ers in the divisional round for the first time, I think that they will fire him if he doesn't make it, especially if he loses in this game. If it's a wild card exit after finishing with the second seed and having a, another home playoff loss, I think that it's done um, for his time in, in Dallas. I, I, I don't hope that that's the case because like I said, I don't, I don't personally have beef with Mike McCarthy. I also think he's called a really great season on offense. I think I think implementing the uh, it's not West Coast, uh, whatever he called it, but the the new kind of kind of faster pace check down or deep shot um, offense that the Dak has has been able to run really successfully, especially after losing uh, Kellen Moore, our offensive coordinator, and kind of having that uncertainty whether Dak was going to make it work or not. Um, I think that he's done a great job. Um, I think that the, the guys really like Mike, and from what I from what I can understand, Dallas media really likes Mike McCarthy, which is rare for for Dallas media to like any of our coaches. Um, so yeah, I I I hope not, but I think it will be the case if they don't make it to the conference championship game. My counter to that is people might like him, the media might like him, but it only matters if Jerry likes him or not. That is that's, the truth. That's the that's the end of it, and that's. Frankly, that shouldn't be the case. That's the reality. And I didn't say it earlier, but I'll say it now. If that were to happen, Vrabel should be all over that. Vrabel should be oh all over the Cowboys shot I'd, if I'd McCarthy gets fired. That. Yeah, absolutely. He would be, he would be match made in heaven. I'm sorry. He, he would. I'd be first in line for that fan club. Or move <laughs> yeah, Dan I, Quinn I, up to head coach. So we don't lose him. I, I would love that too, you know, and get a really great offensive coordinator. Um, you can go do that for sure. So, uh, yeah, no, that's a that, I like that idea. Yeah, I like that idea. But we're not gonna we're not wishing that to no, happen. No, not at but all. In a hypothetical world, that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, did you say over under? Uh, in my biased opinion, I'm going over. Um, yeah. Uh, in my in my real opinion, I think it might be closer and a lower a lower scoring game than a lot of people think it might be. So, um, but yeah, I'll go over. I'll take the slight over because the Packers are a good scoring team. They scored 22 and a half points this year, which is 12th best in the league. Um, really? Wow. Yeah. And the Cowboys had almost 30 a game, which is obviously the best in the entire NFL. Mm-hmm. So I'll take the over. I think it'll be not like a shootout, but there'll be some, some scores for sure. Something about ATT stadium always brings out, you know, a lot of scores, mm-hmm. especially come playoff time. So for sure, two more games left getting spicier and spicier by the time or as the time goes on, uh, Texans hosting the Cleveland Browns. If you would have told me at the start of the season that that was going to happen in the playoffs, I would have been like, you're an idiot. Like, no, Mm -hmm. of course not. Like, neither of those things are going to be true. And yet here we are because this NFL season is so wheels off. So whack. So whack. It is a Saturday game. It's on NBC. It is the mid-afternoon game. Uh, the Browns are favored by two and a half points. 
the over-under is set at 44 and a half. Who's the more important player in this game? Is it Joe Flacco or is it CJ Stroud? It is CJ Stroud. Uh, no disrespect to Joe Flacco at all. He's been incredible for the Browns. He really has. And I think part of that is just like, he's an old guy that's going in there and he's like, I don't care. I'm going to throw the ball over the yard and um, I'm getting paid to do what I love. And I don't have to sit on my couch and watch games from home, you know? But I think, I think CJ Stroud's story is incredible. This is one of my favorite, like Cinderella teams uh, in a while. And, and that's weird coming from me because as a Cowboys fan, as a like Dallas truther, I have despised Houston sports for my entire life. I just was raised that way. Um, it's still this way to this to this day for very good reason in a lot of other sports. Uh, and the Texans have always just kind of sucked, so it's easy to dog on them. C.J. Stroud is an incredible person, possibly an even better quarterback, and he's doing it whether he has his top guys or not. And um, so I, I really think he is the X factor. If he keeps playing the way that he has been this entire rookie campaign that he's put up, which has been pretty incredible. I think the best quarterbacking rookie quarterbacking campaign since Dak Prescott's um, back in 2016. So nearly a decade later, here we are in 2024, which is crazy to say. But uh, now we got C.J. Stroud, who is probably the face of the league for the foreseeable future. Um, and he's he's been incredible and i think if he keeps it up it, the texans are great at home uh they score a lot more at home as well they're, they're kind of like the cowboys in that regard and and they have some defensive pieces too i like i like the texans in this in this one even though the the browns are really hot coming in with one of the better defenses in the league they're missing a lot of pieces they have been all year they're coming in really banged up but yeah give me stroud to to make this very improbable run here in the playoffs this is the game that I've gone back and forth on the whole day because of the following reasons. I agree with you about Stroud. I think he's incredible. I think what D'Amico has done has been absolutely insane. And Coach I think, of the year. And I think they're really great at home. And I also think that last week's game against Indianapolis helps for this game because that was an es- essentially a playoff game. That was a de facto mm-hmm. playoff game on the road. And now they, ha- they get to come home, uh, which yep. shouldn't have happened because Jacksonville crapped the bed what they should not have done, which is just insane yeah. that they did. Anyway, that's a that's a that's a whole nother episode in itself. The the downfall it of the Jaguars this year. However, the Browns defensively are insane. Mm-hmm. Flacco's been playing really good. And I would agree with you about D'Amico Ryan's being coach of the year, but I think the actual coach of the year shot should be for Kevin Stefanski. Because what he mm-hmm. has done this year with all the injuries, all the drama, all the ups and downs and still playing as well as they have in a tough division. They had some things the go their way this football. year. They had some things go their way this year with some injuries. But man, oh man, has he done a tremendous job. And I, I just, man, I don't know. Like, I, I do think the Texans skill players are at a better place right now than the Browns are. Especially mm-hmm. thinking about Collins, who had a great game last week. Singletary has been like productive for them. Uh, mm-hmm. in the running back spot, which is crazy. Um, CJ will obviously make plays himself. Man, I don't know. Forget about my ex-Cowboys, Dalton Schultz yep. and No Brown, yep. baby. Come Schultz, on. Schultz, he's been good. Man, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. I think in the moment right now, I'm going to take the over. I kind of want this to be a shootout, to be honest with you. Um, That'd be so fun. 
and I'm gonna say, God, man, I have no idea. I really like Stefanski. I really do. I'm gonna say the Texans for now. For this recording, I'm saying the Texans. Maybe like tomorrow, I'll, I'll wake up and be like, "Nope, I'm taking the Browns." And you and I can have that, and I'll mention it next week. But I do think Houston being at home helps a lot. Them being in Houston helps a little bit because they were able to get away with some mistakes that they made last week on the road because they were playing a a pretty eh Colts team. They'll have more juices flowing. They'll have more adrenaline going at home. And I don't think they'll make those same mistakes because they won't be, you know, dealing with as much pressure because they've already kind of played a playoff game and because they're at home and they're in their in their comfy spot. And yeah, I I, I feel like that gives them a very, very slight edge. Um, but I a very at the same time, very easily could see Cleveland, you know, because of Flacco's experience in the playoffs, like he's a Super Bowl MVP for crying out loud. Like I could see him being able to pull another magical performance together of like managing the game well, like being calm under pressure. I think that is a big reason why they've been able to be so well this year is because he has been the calming influence and presence on that team that has helped steady the waters there. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that that's so important going into this game in a hostile environment for both teams and in a position that I don't think either team really expected to be in going into the year, especially with how things were going in Cleveland with Deshaun getting hurt and still just the drama with him being there in the Mm -hmm. first place. Like, but I think I'm going to take Houston for now, but man, that, that is a tough game to predict. It really is. I hope it's a shootout too. And I hope that it is like 31, 31, CJ Stroud leads a, a game-winning drive, and John Christian Kaimi Fairbairn makes that game-winning <laughs> field goal. I'm not even going to attempt to say his actual uh, name, however that's pronounced. Kai, nah, I am going to attempt it right now. Kaimi no meka ikeoka kamupa ah. Yeah, the longest name in in NFL history. Yeah, that is a long one. Wow. Game winner. Kudos to you for even trying, because I would have been like, nope, nope. Yeah. Well, I did at first, but I was like, you know, might as well. Nothing to lose. Came into the bit. Why not? Why not? Yeah. All right. Last game. The, uh, the, uh, how how would you describe this game? The Stafford Golf Bowl, Old Friends Bowl, whatever you want to call it. Sunday night game. L.A. hosts, or not hosting, going to Detroit, who's hosting their first playoff game since 1993. The spread is set at the Lions favored by three, and the over-under is set at 51 and a half. Another game that I genuinely don't know how it's going to go. What do you think? I think that a lot of people are framing this the opposite way that they should be. Seeing it as a, oh, Stafford's coming back. He's going to get y'all. The Lions gave Stafford everything that they could in the time that he was there. And like he had opportunities to win playoff games for the Lions there in, in Detroit. These people are like, oh, he's going to get revenge. This is not a revenge game for Matthew Stafford. This is a homecoming for him. This is a revenge game for Jared Goff because he is playing against the team that gave up on him that said, we can do better, we can find better. You had 
our glorious Sean McVay as your coach calling your plays and you had great weapons around you and one of the best running backs of his generation, Todd Gurley, as the offensive player of the year, that Super Bowl run wasn't you. We're done with you. You're a scrub. And they basically gave him up for nothing. I think this is a revenge game for Jared Goff. I also don't like, and I haven't liked since the beginning of the season when I said they were going to be really bad and they weren't. They were 10-7. and seven. I don't like the Rams roster, and I haven't since the preseason. Um, I think that obviously like they have Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup. Kyron Williams has been great. He's, he's had a really big breakout year. Um, and the, the Lions are dealing with some injuries, but I think this is a Jared Goff legacy game. And I think that this is him proving I am a like good starting quarterback in this league. And I think that the Lions might win by two scores. Like truthfully, wow. I, I could see this being like a 35, 21, 30, 35, 24 kind of game, you know, like, like a, one plus possession game uh, at the end of it. And I think Goff has a really great game. I think that those fans are going to be insane. Oh, dude, it's going to be. Detroit has been waiting for something like this it's for so be long. It's going to nuts, dude. Yeah. Not even just in football. Obviously, like 30 plus years, but they, they need something to cheer about. I mean, they, they, the, the, Pistons, Pistons stick. the Pistons are terrible. The, the Tigers suck. You know, it's like. The red, like well, the red wings per- are kind of good this year, so eh, they're okay. Yeah. They're they're fine, but it's just like give us something professional to cheer about. Like, yeah, Michigan just won the title, like that's cool. Uh, but like, please, f- for for our sanity, like give us give us something good to happen. And I and I think I think the Lions go out there and do it. I I'm confident in that, even with the injuries that they're dealing with with Laporta. Um, and a couple other offensive pieces and defensively they've they've been in their secondary they've been pretty ransacked with injuries this year kind of like the Eagles um but you know they've they've still been a really solid defensive team um at home they score and they score a lot so um i i t- i'm taking the lions in this one here's my counter the rams are a team that has won the super bowl recently right they have a super bowl winning mm-hmm. head coach in sean McVay. they have a super bowl winning quarterback in uh matthew stafford super bowl winning wide receiver in cooper cup and one of the best defensive players of our generation aaron donald that alone speaks for itself and that will mm-hmm. help them in that very 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 hostile environment mm-hmm. and the lions are kind of a vibes driven team which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. But it can be their downfall sometimes. And the last time that they were in prime time, if I remember correctly, I think it was the Thanksgiving game. It wasn't necessarily great. However, I agree with you about Goff. I think that this is his game to shine. This is the story. This story is for him. Despite the obvious concerns about Laporta, which I think is a big concern, I do think that they'll be all right. So long as their running tandem is effective. Montgomery Mm -hmm. did not have the best end of the season. Mm -hmm. But if him and Gibbs are both clicking, like how they were like midway through the year, like kind of before the Thanksgiving game, I think they'll be just fine. And obviously Detroit is much better at home than they are on the road. If this was in LA, I would take the Rams quite easily. Even Mm -hmm. though the Rams don't have fans, really. Like, let's be real. Yeah, not, no real home field advantage no. if you're an L.A. team. Yeah. 
But I do think that Dan Campbell is going to make sure that this moment does not let or get too big for the for the Lions. I think he's the type of coach that can emphasize that and really hone that in within that locker room. I do. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, I'm going to take the Lions. I'm not going to side with you on it being like a two-score game. I, I do think it's going to be pretty close. In fact, I honestly think it could be a three-point game because I think mm-hmm. the Rams just have the experience and, and Puka has been unbelievable this season and I'm excited yeah. to see him uh, in this scenario in a playoff environment. And I think Donald just... He steps it up in the playoffs. Like, he's just he a does. different beast this time of year. And we haven't seen it in a couple of years since they didn't make it last year. So I expect him to show up and show out. But ultimately, I think the, the Lions pull away and they make their way to the divisional round, and then we'll see what happens from there. But I do think it'll end up being a three-point game, and I'm going to take the slight under. Like, it'll be like a 49-50 point game instead of 51. I can definitely see that happening, too. That 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 is one of the games I'm most excited for, just because of the storyline. And I sent this in the in the group chat, and I wanted to wait until after we got through all the games to to read it out loud. Um, but it was that that post that I sent on Instagram that was talking about like the the NFL script writers for the season. You know, uh, NFL script writers sending Tyreek back to Kansas City, Matt Stafford back to Detroit, Packers to Dallas to face off against Mike McCarthy, and the Texans to Cleveland or the Cle- Cleveland did the Texans to face off against the team. They traded Deshaun Watson to all just for the opening round of the playoffs. Like that's, that's crazy. That's a, a lot. lot. Of, a lot of storylines there. Um, and that's, I think that's one of the ones that I'm more, most excited for just because it, both of those quarterbacks, you know, used to play for and had success with those teams. Um, the Matt Stafford homecoming is going to be fun, but yeah, golf revenge game right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good take. So in summary, listener, in review, we both pick the Bills, mm-hmm. right? We both pick the Chiefs, right? That's correct. I think we both pick the Bucks. Yep. We both pick the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. We both kind of pick the Texans, even though I'm very hesitant on that. That could flip-flop tomorrow, and I think we both pick the Lions. So we're, we're pretty, pretty equal there. Eye. Yeah. 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 We'll we'll see next week if we were very right or very wrong. And look at us. We kind of did this in a decent amount of time, Jet. Look at yeah. us being efficient. I mean, under two hours is always great for us. But closer to an hour thirty, now that I don't even know if that's ever happened before. Yeah, that's a that's honestly really impressive. I don't know if you saw, by the way, that the Mavs almost just absolutely crapped the bed uh just mm-hmm. now. They're up by eighteen or nineteen in the fourth quarter and only one by four. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but they they hung on and won without Luca. That so I mean honestly that should count double because yeah. uh, wins without Luca are, are far and few between. Yeah, so big Kyrie game, which was nice to see. Big Timmy game, big Timmy game too. Yeah, uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. future Toronto Raptor maybe when Please. we get Siakam. Anyways, I hope that really happens. But that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> All right, uh, is that it? Have we hit everything? That was everything on, on our little list that we had going. So Ooh, I, wow. I think th- that we hit all the points. Yeah. That, yeah, that's impressive that we got it done it in is. a decent amount of time. Listener, thanks for being here. Thanks for, for going through this with us. Obviously a lot that we had to talk about tonight, but I hope you enjoyed our opinions and takes on all of it. Um, Jed, of course, 
appreciate you being here. I'm excited to have you on the next few weeks as we go through this playoff uh, season. Uh, If you like what you heard, listener, please rate and review the show and subscribe to the show on Apple, on Spotify, on wherever the heck you listen to the show. Don't forget to follow the pod Instagram at DennisFrenzPod and email the pod DennisFrenzPod at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that. You can follow the both of us on social media. Don't forget to Subscribe also to Jets Podcast, even though this man does not put out episodes anymore. I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> It'll kidding. Come. I know. It'll I come. know. I'm just messing yeah. with you. No, I know. I know. Um, but be sure to follow the Instagram for that as well. That'll all be in the show notes. Click all the links in the show notes because why not? Um, next week, we will be back with our Wildcat, Wildcat, Wildcard recap and divisional uh, preview. Jet will most likely be back. Hopefully we'll have some other people on as well. And Clayton and I should be doing EPL talk next week. So we should have a two episode week next week. Let's see. Let's go. How things go between now and then. Hopefully I'm not dead after this retreat because I'm already kind of feeling dead even before this retreat. But all that to say, thanks for being here, listener. You guys are the best. Don't forget to share this episode with football fans that you know. Um, all your buddies who like fantasy and the NFL and college. Uh, if, if you like it, I'm sure they'll like it too. Send it to them. The more people that listen to this, the better. And uh, yeah, we'll see y'all next week. Hopefully we're not super wrong in these predictions. And until next time, be good and do good. Mr. Coney, you have the last word. Dak Prescott for MVP. How about them Cowboys? Get her done this weekend. We'll see you next week when, uh, when the Cowboys are taking on the Lions in the divisional round rematch yeah excited for it peace